Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Eccentric Earth. I'm your host Amy Walker and joining me this week to delve into a story from history is my guest Stacey Taylor. Hello. Hi, thank you for joining us. That's all right. I just did a big cheesy grin in that small gap between me <laughs> saying hello and you answering and it like nobody can see it but you know I just wanted you all to know that it was there. The the grin is definitely appreciated. We can feel the love. <laughs> <laughs> I do try to sort of spread positivity with, you know, my face wherever I can. That's why you go into an audio medium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the thing is, I have said many times before that I've got a face for radio, but then somebody pointed out that I haven't really got the accent for radio, so I should probably just stop talking as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I love a good brumai. Oh, well, we're down with all accents here. We don't discriminate. Oh, good. <laughs> You'll be in for a treat today then. So this is your first time on the show and hopefully you'll enjoy this story that I've picked out for you. I know you like geeky things from your from your podcast. It will become apparent by the end that this is kind of related. <laughs> so hopefully you'll enjoy it and you might even guess where it's going before the end. Ooh, that's intriguing. And also you're putting a lot of faith in the fact that I might be a clever person, which I'm not, but... <laughs> <laughs> If, we'll see. if you're not, like I can edit this there. bit out for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, if, uh, well, I'll just be wildly guessing all the way through now. <laughs> just, just, just to see if I can figure it out. <laughs> Bass Reeves was born into slavery in Crawford County, Arkansas in 1838. He was named after his grandfather, Bass Washington. Reeves and his family were slaves of Arkansas state legislator William Steele Reeves. Working alongside his parents, Bass started out as a water boy until he was old enough to become a field hand. A tall young man at six foot two, with good manners and a sense of humour, George Reeves, William's son, later made him his personal companion when Bass was older. When the Civil War broke out in Texas and they sided with the Confederacy, George Reeves went into battle, taking Bass with him. So this poor black man is now having to fight for the confederacy <laughs> i was i was gonna say i feel like before we started recording you told me this story was uplifting <laughs> and i'm like so, so far we seem to have a black man fighting for the confederacy which doesn't seem that doesn't seem that great if i'm honest <laughs> yeah, they, they always have a rocky start though these stories <laughs> now he can only go up <laughs> <laughs> will you say that Unfortunately, in 1882, George died from rabies. That didn't go up. <laughs> that was a definite downward turn. Uh, at least Bass didn't get the rabies. <laughs> that, is, that is true. He's still alive as far as we know. 
Well, not now, obviously, <laughs> in, the, in the story. <laughs> if he's still alive and born in 1838, I think you'd have heard of this guy. <laughs> yeah, that would be so idiotic if I didn't know about the world's apparently oldest man. <laughs> yeah, he's coming up on 200. I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm oblivious, but I'm not that bad. It was during the Civil War that Bass parted company from the Reeves. Some say it was because Bass knocked out his owner, George, after a dispute in a card game. Others believe that Bass heard too much about freeing the slaves and simply ran away. Perhaps he didn't like fighting, you know, for the, for the Confederacy or being a slave type, you know, companion guy. <laughs> like that. You know, if that was me, I think I'd, if I saw an opportunity to scarper, I'd scarper. It's like, we, we own this man and we're making him fight for his own slavery. Why, why would he run away? I don't understand it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't get it. It seems like such a good deal for him. <clears throat> Bass fled north into Indian territory. There he lived with the Cherokee, Seminole and Creek Indians, learning their languages. Mm-hmm. Whilst in Indian territory, Reeves honed his firearm skills, becoming very quick and accurate with pistols. Although Rees claimed to be only fair with a rifle, he was barred on a regular basis from competitive turkey shoots because of his skills. <laughs> I'm sorry, competitive turkey shoots? <laughs> yes, yes, they, they would compete for turkey kills. <laughs> oh, those poor turkeys. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't feel that sorry for them because I'm a person that eats meat and I love me a KFC, which I realise is chicken, but it's akin to a turkey. <laughs> It's closer to a to a turkey than a cow is, so I'll let you off. <laughs> it's like it's it's turkey adjacent, but it feels like just shooting them competitively for sport seems a bit mean. Yeah, hopefully it being the eighteen hundreds, they'd have eaten them afterwards just to I make it a bit I better. Suppose. And also, turkeys are terrifying. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been in close proximity to a live turkey? It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I think if one of them ran at you, you'd probably shoot it just from fear for for your safety. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd be running. I wouldn't have time to aim and fire at it because I'd be like, there's a turkey, run! <laughs> I am the world's biggest wuss. That's, <laughs> that's a true fact about me. When the Emancipation Proclamation came to pass in 1863, Bass was freed and no longer a fugitive. He left Indian Territory and bought land near Van Buren, Arkansas, and became a successful farmer and rancher. A year later, he married Nellie Jenny from Texas and immediately began to have a family. They ended up having 11 children. Sorry, how many children? 11. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that seems unfeasible. <laughs> oh, yeah, imagine the strain on the poor woman. I was just going to say, her poor vagina. <laughs> like, that's going to look like a nightmare by the end of that, isn't it? Really? She? How? No, I don't want to know how far apart all these 11 children were. Because <laughs> I feel like it's not going to be a very long span of time. And I'll be like, oh, what? <laughs> I imagine it was pretty consecutive one after the other. Mm. Imagine if it was just 11 at once. I, c- oh, I can't God. think of anything worse. <laughs> I'd, I'd like I would like zero children anyway, but mm. if I got pregnant and a doctor said, "Hey, there's eleven in there," I think I'd just <sighs> pass out and never wake up. <laughs> That's a terrifying prospect. 
Although then you only have to go through childbirth for one extra long period rather than 11 separate ones. So I guess silver lining to being pregnant with 11 kids. (laughs) I dread to think how long that labour would be. That that birthing experience. (laughs) Got to be some kind of Guinness World Record. Bass started making extra money by helping the US Marshals with scouting and tracking and soon earned a reputation for himself as a man who knew what he was doing and could be relied upon. Reeves and his family farmed until 1875, when Isaac Parker was appointed federal judge for the Indian Territory. At the time Parker was appointed, Indian Territory had become extremely lawless as thieves, murderers and anyone wishing to hide from the law took refuge in the territory that previously had no federal or state jurisdiction. That sounds like a fun place to be. (laughs) From everything I saw, the Indian Territory was the wildest of the Wild West it was the worst place to be at the time. <laughs> Anything like Oh, that. dear. The Indian Territory was home to what was referred to as five civilised tribes, consisting of Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Crete and Seminole. The five tribes had their own governments, courts and police, but could not arrest white or black men who were not citizens of their tribe. This task fell instead to deputy U.S. Marshals who worked out from Fort Smith. Also, the deputies were responsible for arresting Indians who committed crimes against white or black men. Parker appointed James F. Fagan as U.S. Marshal, directing him to hire 200 deputy U.S. Marshals. Fagan had heard about Reeves, who knew the Indian Territory and could speak several Indian languages. There was also the fact that he was a black man, which was valuable in an area where white men were rightfully treated with suspicion. Fagan took advantage of this fact by hiring a number of black men as deputies. Now recruited as a deputy, Reeves was the first black deputy to serve west of the Mississippi River. The deputies were tasked with cleaning up Indian territory and on Judge Parker's orders, bring them in, dead or alive. Charming. Working among other lawmen that would also become legends, such as Heck Thomas, Bud Ledbetter, and Bill Tillman, Reeves began to ride the Oklahoma range in search of outlaws. Okay, this sounds like the start of a movie. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of this, you're going to ask why there are no movies about this guy. He is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) He already sounds pretty boss, to be fair. Yeah, he won he won my affections when he punched his slave master over a game of cards. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do love the idea of that, that in the middle of a battle, they're just like, we're going to stop and play cards, and then I'm going to get so het up about it, I'm just going to sock you on. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Depending on the outlaws for whom he was searching, a deputy would generally take with him from Fort Smith a wagon, a cook, and a Native American posse man. Often they rode to Fort Reno, Fort Sill, and oh, I should have looked up how to pronounce this. I think, to be fair, I think you've done a real good job so far because I would have fucked up nearly everything that you've said. <laughs> uh, I always do this. I think I'll be fine. I've I've read all this through when I did the research and then I forgot all about how to pronounce anything. <laughs> Anadarko. Yeah. So, yeah, Fort Reno, Fort Sill and Anadarko, a round trip of more than 800 miles. Though Reeves could not read or write, it did not curb his effectiveness in bringing back the criminals. Before he headed out, he would have someone read him the warrants and memorise which was which. When asked to produce the warrants, he never failed to pick out the correct one. I can't help but think learning to read would just be easier. 
<laughs> I'm wondering how he learned to memorise them because wouldn't they all look basically the same except for the words within them? Yeah. But that's just learning to read, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is kind of confusing how it's like if you can tell them apart, surely you've kind of learnt to read? At, at least marginally, yeah, you would think so. Unless he's got some sort of like elaborate order and he knows the first one is this and the second one is this and uh heaven forfend that anything should ever like blow the pile over or something oh god if he if he drops that pile he's uh, no one can be charged with anything <laughs> that's it the law is over <laughs> an imposing figure over six feet tall and always riding on a large white stallion Reeves began to earn a reputation for his courage and success at bringing in or killing many desperados in the territory. Speaking to a newspaper in later life, Reeves said about his huge white horse, When you get as big as me, a small horse is as worthless as a preacher in a whiskey joint fight. Just when you need him bad to help you out, he's going to stop and think about it a little bit. <laughs> I quite like the idea of this like gargantuan dude riding on like a dinky pony. <laughs> I just, I would actually like genuinely love to just see that, just like some guy being like, "I am the law," not like Judge Dredd, but you know, similar. Uh, just like riding around on this absolutely adorable like Shetland or something. <laughs> I'm loving this mental image I have, and I'm kind of sad you can't all enjoy it with me. Reeves was described as being a smart dresser, wearing well-made clothes, a large black hat, and with his boots polished to a gleaming shine. He was known for his politeness and courteous manner. He always wore two Colt pistols on his belt, butt forward for a fast draw, and carried a Winchester rifle. Able to draw his guns incredibly fast, and being ambidextrous, he rarely missed when he had to shoot. Reeves was also considered by many to be a master of disguise, and often utilised aliases. Oh, done. The, the six foot three guys are master of disguise. <laughs> Yep. On his Shetland pony with his giant black hat. <laughs> he sometimes appeared as a cowboy, a farmer, gunslinger, or even an outlaw in order to capture his mark. He would not only change his clothing, but used smaller horses, and even went without, and changed the way he rode and moved. He often told people that these were skills that he was taught by the different tribes in the territory. Hopefully when he used the smaller horses, that's when he used the Shetland ponies. <laughs> I would I would like to think so. I, just, I kind of love the idea even more now that he's like, right, I've got to disguise myself somehow so I'll just get atop this tiny, tiny horse. <laughs> he's basically walking <laughs> around <Yeah>. it. <laughs> the horse is essentially just walking between his legs as he walks. <laughs> essentially, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like when my three-year-old niece says she's giving me a piggyback, but what's actually happening is she's just walking with her head between my knees. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> oh. Leaving Fort Smith with a pocket of warrants, Reeves would often return months later, herding a number of outlaws charged with crimes ranging from bootlegging to murder. Paid in fees and rewards, he would make a handsome profit before spending a little time with his family and then returning to the range. Contemporaries described Reeves as a lawman second to none, who was absolutely fearless and a terror to outlaws and desperados. I like the use of the term desperados because it makes it seem a bit more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the Wild West isn't exciting enough, you've got to have Desperados. You, you've got to have Desperados <laughs> and maybe even some Banditos. Who knows? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was said to be the most feared US Marshal at the time, and his nickname was the Invincible Marshal. Ooh, that's not very catchy. <laughs> Good try, though, guys. Good try. He earned this nickname because despite numerous attempts on his life and a number of gunfights throughout his career, he was never shot. This was, however, not through lack of trying. During his time as a marshal, his belt was shot in half, a button shot off his coat, the brim of his hat was shot off, and the bridle reins, which were held between his hands, were cut in half by a bullet. How does one shoot a button off a coat without <laughs> shooting the wearer of the coat? <laughs> either I'm, with I'm... great skill or no skill at all. <laughs> it's either a crack <laughs> shot or the worst. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't even envision the science behind the angle you would have to shoot at for a button to be like ping and the dude to be like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> That's amazing. It's the same as shooting his belt in half. He's like, he's wearing his yeah. belt. How? Yeah. <laughs> like, you would have to be an absolute, the worst, like, look in the world. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm going to kill this guy. And then his trousers fall down. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> Although that would have been a sight. A six foot seven guy who's there to arrest you and his trousers just drop. <laughs> and it was the last thing you ever saw. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Reeves took the time to get to know the people of the territory, including the tribes and their customs, and they respected him greatly for this. His friendly and sterling reputation among Indians, blacks and whites alike led folk to trust him and give him assistance and tips they didn't feel comfortable sharing with other marshals. The tales of his captures are legendary, filled with intrigue, imagination and courage. On one occasion, Reeves was pursuing two outlaws in the Red River Valley near the Texas border. Gathering a posse, Reeves and the other men set up camp some 28 miles from where the two were thought to be hiding at their mother's home. After studying the terrain and making a plan, he soon disguised himself as a tramp, hiding the tools of his trade, his handcuffs, pistol and badge, under his clothes. Setting out on foot, he arrived at the house wearing an old pair of shoes, dirty clothes and carrying a cane. He also wore a floppy hat complete with three bullet holes. <laughs> For authenticity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, that, is that what screams tramp? <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't afford a new hat. He's got to be a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, whenever anybody starts talking about a disguise, all I can think of is the Ninja Turtles movies where they just put a trench coat on and a hat and act like that. they still look normal. It's like, no, Raph, I can see your big giant green hands and feet and face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Raph had the floppy hat. It's the floppy hat that does it. <laughs> I d I'm not sure that it does. I'm yeah. I d I'm sorry. It's like a pair of glasses. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Upon arriving at the home, he told a tale to the woman who answered the door that his feet were aching after having been pursued by a posse who had put three bullet holes in his hat. After asking for a bite to eat, she invited him in. And while he was eating, she began to tell him of her two young outlaw sons, suggesting that the three of them should join forces. Did he shoot his own hat? <laughs> um, I'm really hung up on this hat, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it didn't actually say in the report that I find. I imagine at some point they were like, um, so we've got to shoot a hat. <laughs> <laughs> 
imagine just being like getting your friends over guys can you shoot at this hat they're like oh, i guess <laughs> for what purpose to disguise mate don't worry about it you, you look good bass but you it's it's missing something how about we take off your hat and shoot it i think <laughs> that would complete the look <laughs> I think I don't think that's a definite. Yeah, it's a stylistic move, and I like it. <laughs> I'm, I might adopt it with all of my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> just, just buy a gun and put bullet holes in all your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like really strategically placed ones for maximum intrigue. <laughs> Feigning wariness, she consented to let him stay a while longer. As the sun was setting, Bass heard a sharp whistle coming from behind the house. Shortly after, the woman went outside and responded with an answering whistle. Two riders rode up to the house, talking at length with her outside. The three of them came inside and she introduced her sons to Reeves. After discussing their various crimes, the trio agreed that it would be a good idea to team up. Bunking down in the same room, Reeves watched the pair carefully as they drifted to sleep and when they were snoring deeply, handcuffed the pair of them without waking them up. <laughs> That's so impressive. I'd have probably tripped over my own clothes and <laughs> just fell face first onto one of them. When morning arrived, he kicked them both awake and marched them out the door. So he let them have the full night's sleep as well. I was going to say, that's actually really sweet. No, he, he was just like really hoping that the mum wouldn't come downstairs and be like, whoa, what kind of kinky nonsense is this? <laughs> I swear they asked me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I am a tramp. Look at my bullet holes. Oh, wait, what? No, cut that out. <laughs> Followed for the first three miles by their mother, who cursed at Reeves the entire time, he marched the pair the full 28 miles to the camp where the posse waited. Within days, the outlaws were delivered to the authorities and a $5,000 reward collected. Noise. Another time, he dressed like a farmer and lumbered along in a ramshackle wagon pulled by an old ox. He drove the wagon close to a cabin where six outlaws were holed up, and as he passed the hideout, he pretended to get the wagon stuck on a large tree stump. When the outlaws came out to help him, he coolly reached under his overalls, drew out his six-shooters, and placed the men under arrest. See, I can't help but as much as I'm loving all these elaborate plans and disguises, and I really truly am, I can't help but feel like just wandering over there and arresting him <laughs> would get you the exact same result. Yeah, it does feel like he's making extra work for himself. I feel like this is a guy who probably would like, he just really likes dressing up. <laughs> this is like the original cosplay. He's just marching around fields. He's like, what, I'm going to be a farmer today. I guess I'll arrest these guys. <laughs> I kind of love him. Maybe he never went there disguised as a farmer to arrest them. He was just enjoying pretending to be a farmer and then ran across some outlaws and was like, oh, crap, I've got to do my job now. <laughs> yeah, every time he left the station, he was actually just like wandering around aimlessly and just happened upon crime. <laughs> <laughs> All he wanted to do was LARP, but his day job just kept getting in the way. <laughs> you can't LARP anywhere these days without <laughs> happening upon crime. <laughs> One of the high points of Bass's career was when he apprehended a notorious outlaw named Bob Dozier. Dozier was known as Jack of All Trades when it came to committing crimes, as they covered a wide range from cattle and horse rustling to holding up banks, stores and stagecoaches, and even murder and land swindles. 
I love a lot of the words that you're saying right now. <laughs> they are very Wild West. Swindles. Yeah. Rustling. It's like horse <laughs> rustling. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but I like it. <laughs> it's when you like tussle its mane. Like, no, oh, you. <laughs> because Dozier was unpredictable, he was also hard to catch. And though many lawmen had tried to apprehend him, none was successful until it came to Reeves. Dozier eluded Reeves for several months until the lawman tracked him down in the Cherokee Hills. After refusing to surrender, Reeves killed Dozier in an accompanying gunfight on December 20th, 1878. After having delivered two prisoners to US Marshal Leo Bennett in Muskogee, Oklahoma, he arrived to bad news. His own son, Benny, had been charged with the murder of his wife. That's not news you want to come home to. No, never. Though the warrant had been lying on Bennett's desk for two days, the other deputies were reluctant to take it, and though Reeves was shaken, he demanded to accept the responsibility for finding his son. Two weeks later, Reeves returned to Muskogee with his own son in tow and turned him over to Marshal Bennett. His son was tried and sent to Kansas Leavenworth Prison. However, sometime later, with a citizen's petition and an exemplary prison record, his son was pardoned and lived the rest of his life as a model citizen. Oh, so he just had that one murderous slip. Yeah. That's, that's all right, then. <laughs> yeah. You killed your wife, but you've been really nice in prison, so we'll let you go. <laughs> I've always found the idea of like good behaviour in prison a bit weird, because what can you do, really? You're mostly on your own in a tiny room. Like what are you get what are you gonna do in there that's that terrible? Actually, don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone that was a has definite any rhetorical question. No. <laughs> yeah, tweet in and No. <laughs> in nineteen oh one, Reeves was interviewed by a territorial newspaper. At the time, he stated he had arrested over three thousand men and women who had broken federal laws in the Indian Territory. The Indian Territory was the most dangerous area for federal peace officers in the Old West. More than 120 lost their lives before Oklahoma became a state in 1907. Reeves was the target of numerous assassination attempts whilst a marshal, but he often saved himself by staying completely calm and in control. One time, he met two men out riding who knew who he was and wanted him dead. They drew their guns and forced him off his horse. One of the men asked if Reeves had any last words, and he answered that he would really appreciate if one of them could read him a letter from his wife before finishing them off. He reached into his saddlebag for the letter and handed it over. As soon as the would-be assassin reached for the letter, Bass put one of his hands around the man's throat and used his other hand to draw his gun and said, Son of a bitch, now you're under arrest. <laughs> what I love about this story is the idea that a criminal would be like... Yeah, I'll read that letter from you. That's really sweet, mate. Like, I'll do you a murder afterwards. I can, I can, yeah, I can murder you later. So weird. The outlaw's partner was so surprised that he dropped his gun and Rees put both men in handcuffs. <laughs> Those pair are useless. Yeah. Another time, Rees faced a similar situation. This time, three wanted outlaws forced him from his horse and were about to kill him. He showed them the warrants he had for their arrest and asked them for the date so that he could jot down for his records when he turned the men into jail. The leader of the group laughed and said, You are ready to turn in now. But having dropped his guard for just a second, Reeves drew his six-shooter and grabbed the barrel of the man's gun. 
the outlaw fired three times, but Reeves again dodged the bullets. At the same time, and with his hand still around the barrel of the first man's gun, he shot the second man, and then hit the third man over the head with his pistol, killing him instantly. Is he an actual, like, meta-human? <laughs> like, like, what kind of reflexes and strength do you have to have to avoid three men shooting at you, uh, clearly at close enough range that you can hold one of the dude's guns, and then, then just kill one by hitting him with something? That is insane. Yeah, yeah. He was never shot. And initially you think, oh, okay, that's just good. But when you hear stories like this, you think, how the fuck was he never shot? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was envisioning that people were like standing like a million miles away from him being like, hey, I think that's that guy. Should we should we give it a whirl? And they're like, and not even close. But uh, no, that he's literally standing with three men who can't hit him for some. Is it Star Wars and their stormtroopers? Is that what's happening? <laughs> that <laughs> you were about to tell me this is a whole of the elaborate origins of Lando Calrissian or something. <laughs> oh, did I forget to mention his Wookiee sidekick? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that would be the best twist in this story ever. <laughs> his son Benny was actually Ben Backer, the Wookiee. <laughs> yes. In 1907, law enforcement was assumed by state agencies and Reeves' duties as a deputy marshal came to an end. This was also in part due to the Jim Crow laws that came into effect in 1907 when Oklahoma became a state. Forcing segregation, the new laws meant that Bass was unable to continue on as a marshal. Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal of the Western District, Bud Ledbetter, called him one of the bravest men this country has ever known. No longer a marshal, Bass took a job as a patrolman with the Muskogee, Oklahoma Police Department. During the two years that he served in this capacity, there are reportedly no crimes on his beat. Uh, just checking something. Yeah, he was 69 at the time that he was a police officer as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at the dates and thought, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure he's about 70 there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I I I have so much respect for policemen and and uh, you know people who work in the sort of emergency services and stuff because I like I said before I'm the world's biggest wuss and so the <laughs> idea of like policing around the place and constantly getting you know shot at and forced off my Shetland pony would be you know the the worst thing I could think of. But like the idea of also doing that when I'm super old. <laughs> Like, when I'm 69, I want to be at home trying to relearn how to knit because I've forgotten because I haven't done it for ages. Like, or, you know, baking some biscuits or something and, like, watching, I don't know, Countdown if it's still on. Is Countdown still on now? I don't even know. I think it is. I think they keep regenerating the presenter, but, yeah, it's still around. I hope it's still around when I'm 69. I plan to watch it all the time. Reeves was diagnosed with Bright's disease, a historic term for kidney disease, and it finally ended his career when he took to his sickbed in 1909. I've got to say, calling it Bright's disease makes it sound a lot nicer. (laughs) (laughs) Kidney disease, it just makes it so clear what it is, you know. Yeah. No sense of mystery. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I like like my diseases to be a bit enigmatic. (laughs) He died on January 12th, 1910, and though he was buried in Muskogee, the exact location of his grave still remains unknown. Over the 35 years that Bass Reeves served as a Deputy United States Marshal, he earned his place in history by being one of the most effective lawmen in Indian Territory, 
bringing in more than 3,000 outlaws and helping to tame the lawless territory. Killing only 14 men during his service, Reeves always said that he never shot a man when it wasn't necessary for him to do so in the discharge of his duty to save his own life. Historian Art Burton once said about him, if Reeves were fictional, he would be a combination of Sherlock Holmes, Superman and the Lone Ranger. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds a bit right. (laughs) Many historians even argue that there is evidence that Bass Reeves was the basis for the now classic fictional hero, the Lone Ranger, with several key similarities between the character and the real-life legend, making Bass Reeves the very real Lone Ranger. I see what you did there. (laughs) That's, um, I really like the idea of this guy just because it's nice to hear of a policeman that doesn't want to shoot people for a start. (laughs) Uh, but also the fact that like, did you say only shot 14 guys? Yeah. He only killed 14. So it didn't say shot. So I guess that would include the person he beat to death with his pistol. (laughs) (laughs) I'll beat him to death with his own juice. Um, I just kind of love the idea that in so he's taken in like over 3,000 people and like a, a bunch of guys have tried to do him a murder and he's so calm about it that he's only killed 14 of them. Yeah. Like that's that's actually really admirable because I, well, again, big wuss. Don't think I'd have kept <laughs> as cool and collected. I'd definitely have been shot pretty much almost instantly, I think, in those days. <laughs> So we were talking the other day about zombie apocalypses and I was thinking about how long I would last. And I said if I was already indoors, you know, I'd last however long the food lasted, I guess. But if I was outside, (laughs) I'd be instantly dead. (laughs) It'd be a nightmare. Anyway, that's irrelevant. I like this guy, though. He's good. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I I was looking into it and it's saying about the similarities between him and the Lone Ranger. Quite Mm. often um, in his little group of followers, he'd have a Native American companion with him as well. So that was kind of like the basis for Tonto and his giant white horse being like silver. It's Once you start looking into him, it's like, oh crap, this guy actually was pretty much the Lone Ranger. Yeah, that's straight up amazing. Yeah. And people got pissed off that they whitewashed Tonto. They've been doing it to the Lone Ranger for years, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I am, um, because I'm a sensible human being, I haven't seen the, the most recent Lone Ranger movie. But can I just say, like, and I'm not, I'm not speaking on behalf of you. I don't know how you feel about this, right? But fuck Johnny Depp. Just oh, yeah, fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> just fuck him all of the ways fuck johnny Depp. yeah they yeah i've said i've said my piece <laughs> i just i really dislike that guy it doesn't even help right i mean not that i'd say if he was a good actor it would excuse his awful human behavior but like he's also a bit shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like he's yeah. not you can't even be like well he's a dick but at least he's interesting to what no he's not he's real pants <laughs> like, yeah. Ugh. This isn't the Stace rants about Johnny Depp show, though. I mean, it could be if that's what you wanted. Oh. But <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. But no, I, I agree. It's like when the new Harry Potter films came out, the Ugh. Fantastic Beasts. We were like, mm, we're starting to feel a bit Harry Potted out. Should we go see it? And it was like, 
oh, Johnny Depp's in it. It's like, oh, okay, well, no then. <laughs> yeah, that's all that issue. No. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to be, I've got a really weird relationship with Harry Potter in the sense that um, I, I bought all the books as they came out and read them all within like a couple of days. And I've seen all of the movies and I even did a Harry Potter movie, movie marathon from like six in the morning till about two the following morning. It was nuts. Wow. But I don't really like the books or the films that much. No. <laughs> And I'm sort of really hating this sort of um, J.K. Rowling retrospectively rewrites the universe as being queer and having people of colour that didn't exist in the books and stuff. And I'm like, no, come on now, like write it that way or don't, don't pay any lip service. Anyway, this is also irrelevant. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just I get cross about J.K. Rowling because she seemed like a good. One. It it kind of ties in. Like let's. I think you know Bass Reeves should have. A film about him yes he, he is awesome forget fictional standard template white cowboys give us the film about the amazing black lone ranger because yeah. I, I would 100 percent watch that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just if only to see how you shoot a man's button off without killing him <laughs> <laughs> if that's the only reason this movie gets made i would still watch it <laughs> and the scene where they purchase hat on a cactus and shoot it three times <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that he was real cool about it and he just walked up up to his mates and went, try to kill me, and they just shot his hat three times. <laughs> they were like, God, you are actually invincible. How are you doing this? Bullets just curve around him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Matrix, but he doesn't even move. <laughs> oh, now I want to make this movie. <laughs> well, if people enjoyed listening to this and enjoyed yourself where can they find you online stacy <laughs> everywhere <laughs> <laughs> i'm like a rash all over the internet and um, the best place to find me is probably on twitter at stacy's parlor and that's stacy with an e and parlor with a u for you know america folk um and uh, the, the my podcast stacy's pop culture parlor can be found at popcultureparlor.podbean.com um in which i ramble about pop culture unsurprisingly uh, <laughs> and sometimes i drink tea <laughs> nice do you like a bit of tea <laughs> i love tea i've got a bb8 teapot and it's the best thing i've ever had nice it's so good <laughs> every time i take a photo with it this is a real sad fact for you all because uh, i take a photo of my teapot nearly every time i use it because every time i get it out i'm like oh my god it's the best teapots ever existed but i always hashtag it pretentious tea knob because you can loose leaf tea in there <laughs> nice <laughs> i am a pretentious tea knob well if everyone enjoyed this episode they can find us on twitter by going to at eccentric underscore earth uh, we're also on Facebook, at Eccentric Earth, and Instagram. And our social media platforms are kept up to date with news and information about new episodes, as well as little history facts that we send out every day. If you want to write into us with any feedback or suggestions for topics, our email address is eccentricearth at outlook.com. And we're on all major podcast providers, so please make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely wonderful having you on stacy i'm so oh, glad thank you, you so on. much for having me <laughs> i like um i've got a real bad memory so i'm not very good at holding in facts but i like learning them over and over again <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a couple of years have me back on you just do this episode again and i'll be like wow this is totally new information to me <laughs> 
Well, if I run out of topics, I know what I can do now. <laughs> Just repeat them on you. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, the, the only thing I'll probably like hold in my brain from this is the idea of shooting a button off. That's gonna. That's not gonna leave my brain for for a good while. Because I'll be I'll be ruminating on that and stroking my uh, moisty beard. I should shave. Uh. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me, and thank you everyone for listening.